All right, 30 minutes from now, Matt Lombardo is going to join us, NJ.com. We'll talk about the Philadelphia Eagles game against the 49ers. Absolutely zero buzz as a winless team makes a trek across the country to play in a monsoon. I understand. I'm not holding it. I'm not saying. Oh, man, that's irritating. Right. And you haven't heard me yet. I've been on for 90 minutes, and you haven't heard me criticize any Eagle fan for a lack of buzz on this game. It's, in fact, there's very reason or one of the reasons why we opened up with Bob McNair's comments and the depth of those comments to focus on that more so than the surface of it because I can't sit here with a straight face and tell you that the most passionate thing in my life when it comes to sports, which is what the reflection of the show is a lot of times, is the Philadelphia Eagles game tomorrow. Now, that doesn't mean I'm not going to be in tune watching it and die hard and vested like you and all the emotion that comes from watching the birds, but there's no buzz. There's no buildup to it, and that's fine. That's actually a good sign because if there were nerves going on and if this was a conversation more about the Eagles are going to lose this football game, then I would be thinking, what's wrong with you? What happened to you over the last couple of weeks? What changed with you that now you're at that point? Because this should be a win. Easy, convincing, whatever you want to slide in there. So we'll get more from Lombo at the top. And we might touch on his Penn State Nittany Lions as they have a tough one in Ohio State. No, you don't think we should? You think we should stray away from that, Pat? Is this coming from you as an executive order here as the producer of the show? Just coming as a bitter Temple fan. Yeah, you noticed that we didn't bring anything up like that. Also, on the docket, (laughs) outside of what we're talking about here, specifically with Bob McNair and the reaction, I'll mention after Lombo, before we get to our special guest at 2.30, what really upset me this past week. It was a major slight in the world of Philadelphia sports, based on all the interaction that I had, either as part of the morning show with Anthony and Bob and Jamie, or on Twitter, just in real life, even out and about at a couple of sporting events, I was shocked, shocked and upset, and I need to bring it up in about 40 minutes. But right now, time for you, 610-632-0975, the phone number, at Shander Shows, how you get us on Twitter, at 975, the fanatic as well. I just tweeted this, mind you, at Shander Show. The bro actually put this out, and I saw this. But the Oklahoma City Thunders flight, believed to have hit a bird during their trip to Chicago, no injuries were reported. If you can get to Twitter, look at the size of the hole that this bird caused. Now, the bro had a pretty good tweet. What size of the bird was it? A pterodactyl. This thing is huge. Now, planes are big. Even a charter flight that's not like, you know, your Airbus. But the size of this hole is monstrous. And I know that we have people that work at the airport. I know that we have people that fly planes all the way that deal with baggage and in between. I imagine that this doesn't happen often, and I wonder why it doesn't happen often. Because you would think that planes share space with birds and so on. Jeff is next up with Aton Shander. Jeff? Yo, what's up, Aton? Yo, man, that was really remarkable, man. The Lord was looking after the thunder. The Lord was looking after the thunder. Have you seen the size of this hole? Man, what the hell causes something like that? It's like, it's to, it looks like when SWAT, you ever see when SWAT is running to a house with yes. like a battering ram or some, you know what I mean? Like, something like that. You almost slipped, Jeff. No, I didn't. Okay, it sounded like you it. You never catch me slipping. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you know, but you I'm know, not picking up with it. What's up? <laughs> was that Harry? No, that was Lavi. Who the hell is that? Peter Laviolette. I'm not putting up with it. Oh, it, it, it might sound a little like Harry, and if you just hear it fast. I'm not putting up with it. The more you hear it, though, the more it's lavy led. I'm sorry, I derailed you, Jeff. Go ahead. Got you. So, uh, 
daytime, man. Um, I forgot what the hell I was going to say. I hate this. Always happens when I. Call no, no, no. You. Blame me because if I didn't play that damn soundbite, you well, would have been flowing. You're the guy who, if you remember, way back, man, like when you was on, like, uh, doing that, you was, you was working during my third shift runs. And to keep me from falling asleep while I was driving. Oh, this is not the other place. The you're you're taking me back, huh? Yeah, man, just all night, man, where people didn't even want to call because they wanted to hear you go on and rant. <laughs> <laughs> Those were good days, man. Hey, listen, yeah. 2 to 5.30, it could get lonely. Hey, there's beautiful chicks calling on the other line, man. I got to go. All right, brother. Take care. That might be a first. Listen, I won't hold anybody accountable for that. We do not begrudge Jeff and Camden for taking a call from a beautiful woman. In fact, I would mandate that he take that phone call. I don't want to be on the other end and you missing out on an opportunity. I'm sure I've told this before, but when I was down in Atlantic City, I know there's the FM stick now, but that was at one point an AM stick. An AM station that you couldn't hear in the parking lot. Me and this guy, Dan Schwartzman, who worked here a while back, would do the afternoon drive show. And (laughs) we were on the phone with Ryan Howard the day in which he was getting called up. And this he was in the hotel room, so he didn't have call waiting or anything. And they were calling the room, and he was on the phone at the hotel, and he was banging on the door. We could hear somebody banging on the door. And he was told, by hang the phone up. The Phillies are calling you. He's like, I got to go. We found out after the fact that he was getting called up. You didn't know that, did you? And I've told that story before. Just proof that Pat Egan doesn't even pay attention to the show. Mike is next up on The Fanatic. Mike. Autonomous is in the house. Listen, buddy. Uh, is it all right if I just talk Sixers? Cause- sure. Less about the other stuff, but it is worth talking about. All that's great. All right. So, what I'm curious about is what is the fact that the magnifying glass is on Brett Brown? And forget that he mishandled the last four minutes of that game. I was at the game. I mean, the air got sucked out of the building. The guy even gave a pump fake, had time to reset and hit the three. What my question is, is doesn't Brett need to just set a rotation? Stick with it in 10-game increments. Just start grinding and putting an offense. It just doesn't seem organized. And maybe because I've ignored and stop his press conferences, he is just, I'm tired of hearing it. Like, he's programmed for four years, and we said, you're going to get there, Brett, and we all support you, and that's great. But now it's time to flip the switch and tell me where I'm wrong. I don't, I love the guy, but tell me where I'm wrong with that. Between well, setting a rotation, set an offense, and handle your business in front of the microphone. That, that's my two cents for today. And keep up the good work, brother. All I'm right. No, Mike, now. I appreciate it. I'll address it real quick. I don't think wrong is, is the wrong term, for lack of a better phrase there. You're right on the rotation. And let me preface this by saying I believe in Brett Brown as a basketball coach. I believe in Brett Brown as a motivator. And I believe that Brett Brown can allow his players to breathe. I I think you can get to that point with what I've seen from Brett Brown. This is not, I am not anywhere close to where I've heard other people, which is just giving up hope on him. And hope might even be the wrong term, just based on what you've seen. But here's the thing, Mike, you're right. Brett Brown needs to set a rotation. And you have enough talent now 
opposed to what you've been through the first couple of years with Brad on the bench. You have enough talent now where you should be looking at dictating as opposed to reacting. And that's what got me frustrated last year with the healthy Okafor at times and with Embiid where you wanted to see more of the doubles and then moving around these rotations. But it would be nice to see a shorter rotation that gets locked in to get guys more minutes together. There are factors involved with this, Mike. Markel Fultz is not where they thought he would be at this point. If you want to blame the shot change in the offseason, do it. But there needs to be more growth and adjustment to get Markel Fultz in there as more of a scorer. Somebody who could play off Simmons and play off spacing, similar to Redick and Covington, but play off the spacing provided by Embiid down low or even out there on the key. There's also the idea of you're now relying on your two guys with very limited NBA experience. We're going to get to that coming up, though, in about 30 minutes. You need to set a rotation. You need to stick with it. As far as him talking at at the press conference, that's secondary. So I don't think you're wrong on that. What I'd say is if he gets the rotation right, if this team is competing and you don't see defensive letdowns, you don't see issues on transition D, and you don't see problems developing on transition offense where guys like Bayless shouldn't be getting the rock a lot. If you can limit that and if you can start to steer it in a way that can be corrected and then coached on, then you're not going to care about the press conferences. You won't. Uh, Look at Doug Peterson. We went from not, 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 not to... All right, he's talking. They're six and one. Let him say whatever the hell he wants. Chris, next up on the Fanatic with Aton Shander. Chris. Hey, what's up, Aton? How you feeling, man? Chris, I'm great. Thank you for the call. Hey, man. No, I want to start off and say thank you, man. You first of all, you're killing it. I, I love it when you got a topic that you can really grind your teeth in because you just let it all hang out on the airway. So I appreciate you allowing us to have this platform where we feel comfortable calling in, man. You in the station. So uh thank you to you and your producer for that. Uh, what I want to start with is just kind of defining the word soft going back to one of your previous callers uh, probably about 30 minutes ago. Yep. You know, not speaking up to me is soft. You know, having the, you know, the, the, the strength, the courage, the passion and the knowledge to actually say something about, you know, uh, what you stand for, you know, and your, your morals and your values and, and what you deem right and wrong in this world, to me, is the tougher thing to do. So, you know, if you want to say somebody is soft, you know, 30, 40 years ago, think he was uh, questioning you got how old you are, and, you know, back in my day. Well, you know, you know that, that's soft when you don't speak up. Uh, but I do want to do something for you here. I've been listening to you for a while. Uh, like I said, you're killing it. You talked about customers earlier. You talked about uh, control, right? And, and you talked about distractions, right? So I want to give you a couple things. Let me know how you feel about it. First thing I want to talk about is control. I want to point something out to you. NBA and the NFL, I believe, are the only two major sports right now that have salary caps, one, and I believe they have the most uh, strict college requirements. Correct. And I also want to correlate that to the majority of the athletes in those two Sports are black. I mean, it's just as simple as that. So when you really want to talk about control and, and talk about the bigger picture, uh, that's just a stat I want to throw out there on the airways. But yeah, but I, I, real quick, let, let's explore that, Chris, because I uh-huh. think that what, what gets lost in that comparison, or at least bringing the two together, is how much more egregious it is in the NFL that contracts aren't guaranteed, and that's the difference between Anybody in the NFL saying, hey, this isn't right to an owner versus LeBron James, Chris Paul, or another senior elder statesman saying, this ain't going to fly in the NBA listening because that's guaranteed money they got. 
Exactly, and that's why the NBA has had more lockouts because of that one thing. They had to keep fighting. Give me an inch, another inch, another inch till they get to this point. I think a previous caller even mentioned that, uh, you know, why wouldn't you have guarantees in the most violent sport? I mean, yes, I do believe the NBA has probably the most taxing, uh, you know, as far as, uh, you know, the, the, the bigger athletes and the running up and down. It's a different type of taxing, but when it comes to what happens to your brain, your body, surgeries that, that come with it. You literally sign up to, go, to uh, get a job knowing that you're going to have probably two to three, four surgeries in your career. Right. I mean, so why wouldn't you have, you know, some type of guarantee? But I, I want to do one other, one other thing. I want to talk about distractions and, and just correlate to, to your customers, sure. and I'll take your response uh, off the air. Once again, keep going, uh, Eitan. So, uh, you know, distractions to me. In sports, you know, there's a, there's a customer base that really generates the most revenue. Uh, that customer base usually makes, you know, enough money, right? So they either have... Expendable uh, income, they call it. Yeah, exactly. They have the most expendable income. So those folks that have the most expendable income need sports as a distraction. So when it comes to these other distractions, whether it be race, whether it be, you know, the uh, national anthem, they don't want to hear that. That's not the distractions that they're paying for. They want to pay for the, the sports. Show me the, you know, the 10-man rotation. You know, I just want to talk about what's getting me off my normal day. And that's why it's hard for them to accept what is reality in this world. Thanks, a You got it, Chris. I no, I, I appreciate it. I, I think that's a very fair point, one that I agree with, which is it becomes uncomfortable for fans. And it's not everybody. And let's let's let me interject with my opinion on this following Chris's, which is this is not a broad brush that I paint with. As you know, if you listen to the show, we try to get as specific as humanly possible on any type of scenario that we bring up sport or beyond. But I think you can look at groups. You can look at fan bases across the country internally and externally in Philadelphia and beyond and see that there are certain demos that spend more on sports. And then when you have these conversations, how much of it is, okay, falling on the line of, hey, man, I make a lot of money, but I spend my money how I want to spend it. And every day, I, you know, listen, there are people that are successful, lawyers, doctors, whatever the buzz profession is, and they work a lot. It's not, oh, you know, this guy, radio hosts, we don't work. All right, we work four or five hours a day. It's people out there that are making money, but also just because you have a white-collar profession, if people still even use that term, doesn't mean that you're just slacking around. You know, people work hard, and they want to use, as Chris said, sports as an escape. It can be going down. It can be merchandise. It can be packages for TV, whatever you have as far as examples. So that's the genesis of the conversation of stick to sports. That's the genesis of the conversation of why are you talking about this on a sports talk station? That's the genesis of I go to the fanatic or I go to the games. I go to anywhere for sports and not for society. But the problem is, is that we don't follow robots. And this goes back. See, I'm glad Chris brought this point up because when Jeff was here, we were talking about how fans can easily jump on Bob McNair's comments because it's low-hanging fruit. It doesn't mean that it's not worthy of discussion. It doesn't mean that it's not worthy of ripping. It doesn't mean that it's not worthy of exploring the issues and the insensitivities of it. What I'm saying is, is that it's convenient. But when you as a fan are forced with looking at the guy that you root for, the back of the name on the jersey, and not just focused and slid into this mindset of, oh, no, everybody, it's all about the eagle. It's all about what's on the front of the jersey. Well, that's that robot mentality. And when the robots come to life, and when the robots show a pulse, 
And when robots turn into human beings and they look around and they say, hey, you know what? We have thoughts and feelings and expressions, and we have been through things as well. Some people get uncomfortable. Not all, but some people get uncomfortable. And maybe that's a place to start looking and focusing is why. Why would it make a fan who is, and I'm not telling you how to spend your money. God bless you. You make your money, go ahead and spend it any way you want. But why would a fan who is spending money on their team, why would somebody like Chris, who he mentioned, have issue with a conversation like this? Or take any type of offense to the point in which they would want to move away from looking at what is driving Malcolm Jenkins to act in the way in which he is inside his and other communities. Instead, is it just easy? Is it just convenience? I don't want to use the L word and say lazy, but is it just convenience to look at Malcolm Jenkins as a robot and not as a football player? Is it easy to turn around and say, you know, John, Jeff, Joan, whoever your neighbor is, I just want to see him play football. I get it. You know, he's, he's a human being, but I just want to see him play football. Owners prey off that. Owners love when fans say that because it allows them to get away with more. It allows the shadiness in the NFL to exist. It allows covering up medical records. It allows little to very negligent settlements that go on for former players. It allows current players to protest, but only in their own way that's being allowed by the NFL. It allows Jerry Jones to tell guys in his own building, hey, you ain't doing anything unless I sign off on it. Jay, next up with Aton Shander. Jay. Anton, hi. I've been for about an hour. If you can't get my name right after I've said it for two straight hours, then that's on you. Tim. Hey, Tim. Tim. Hey, are you there? Yep. All right. Your turn to talk, brother. Oh, thanks. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I just want to say that, first off, that I totally understand why people would think that the Texans owner is definitely insensitive. I think that he knew that what he was saying that. I'm pretty sure he was trying to get a rise out of people. Um Knowing and remember, knowing this is said to 31 other owners. This isn't like a press conference that he had. Okay. Well, I just think it was insensitive. He should have used better terminology. But I mean, I do have to say that I'm one of those people that when I'm watching football, I just want to see the game. And I'm all for them, the, the players being individuals and using their platform to protest um, on their own time and their own time. And I think that they have the platform. We have – Twitter, we have Facebook, we have, I mean, they have, these are millionaires. These are multi-multi-millionaires that have resources beyond what they had 20 years ago. Right, which, and, which is happening, you know, we see it right here in our city with eagles that have put their money where their mouths yeah. are. And I love it. I love it. I think, it's, I think it's, it's, it's a conversation that needs to be said. But I think that you can want to just be entertained for four hours and not be a degenerate and not be uncomfortable about the conversation. Yes. I think uh, okay, Tim, let me know, just build that off that. that. That's a fantastic point. I'm going to give you a second to respond, I promise, even though Pat Egan's head is going crazy right now. That is a perfect example because you know what? 
Malcolm, once Malcolm Jenkins' fist comes down after the anthem and once Chris Long's arm comes down across Malcolm Jenkins after the anthem and they cross those lines, they're thinking about football like you and I should be thinking about football. And I wholeheartedly agree that during the game, it's not about the pro, it's pre is fine, but I'm with you because the players are thinking about the sport as well. Yeah. And I'm fine. Listen, if you're six and one and you can bring it after you raise your fist, I'm all for it. But at the end of the day, if you're 0-7 and 90% of your team is kneeling down, I say, guys, focus on – Well, how is that any correlation that you can make? So only only talented players can protest? Well, I think that it's if you are can, can do it and not be distracted by it, I think when it becomes a distraction and affects your job. Yeah, but you look at that, words, that's hypocritical, Tim, because you're saying it's okay for players to put the money where their mouth is in the community, which means that they are actually backing it up, but then you're demanding that they back it up on the field. I think absolutely they have to back it up. Why? On the field. But that is nothing. They, but they see, you want your cake and you want to have it and eat it too, because you just said that when it comes to four hours of football, that's all you want to focus on. So you should be able to separate a guy's play on the field versus sticking up for something going on with social justice. I I see it a little. I see there's a slight distinction. I see it with, with Matt, with, with Matthew Jenkins, when he raises this and then he brings it, I think he makes a statement, and then he carries it off the field. Yeah, but so you're, you're adding a variable that doesn't exist, which is you have to back up your plea for social justice in your field of play. That doesn't make sense. As long as he's doing it know. off the field. I don't field. know if it doesn't make sense. I mean, look at the 49ers. They're 0-7. That whole team's kneeling down. I mean, it's like that's all they're doing. No, that doing? come on. That That is as short-sighted as you can be that to blame the 49ers 0-7 record on the fact that guys are kneeling. And that's unfair. And I'm not going to let that slide because you sound like you can be pulled a little bit down towards the middle. And then I hear that and I'm thinking, why could you? how can you draw that correlation? How can you honestly look as you just laid it out, Tim? And I think that ultimately you made some good points in your conversation, which is for four hours, players and fans alike do have the benefit of distraction because just like for us, it's a distraction. It's a game. It's life for Malcolm Jenkins, for Chris Long when they play that game. But off the field, they're backing it up. So you're saying so long as they back it up off the field, which guys are doing, then they can protest. And then you add this variable to make it convenient for you and others to continue to rip protesting by saying, well, they're not backing it up on the field, which means exactly what you were trying to say that only good players can protest that only guys who are playing a set that everybody on the 49ers sucks. What if their best player is protesting? What if guys on a mediocre team, how, where do you draw the line and say, well, only guys on an above 500 team can protest ludicrous Matt Lombardo next.